0: Welcome to tonight's Saturday Night Special, episode 148.
1: I'm Hemant I challenge you to invest in yourself, invest in others, develop your influence, and impact the world by using your time, your talent, your treasures to live out your calling. Having the ability to find your state of gold is key, and one way to be inspired to do that is to listen to this inspired stewardship podcast with my friend Scott that we all need to grow as people we all need to grow emotionally and to an extent we need to grow spiritually because until we do that we are going to be constantly in the rat race Rat race keeps us stuck in patterns where we're going round in circles, just doing what we've always done, or doing what, you know, our families have always done, our communities have always done.
0: Welcome and thank you for joining us on the Inspired Stewardship Podcast. If you truly desire to become the person who God wants you to be, then you must learn to use your time, your talent, and your treasures for your true calling. In the Inspired Stewardship Podcast, you will learn to invest in yourself invest in others, and develop your influence so that you can impact the world. In tonight's Saturday Night Special, I interview Hema Vias. I ask Hema about what an omnipreneur is and why it's important. I also ask her to share what a state of gold is and why sh- we should strive for this. And I also ask her to share what her top tips are for small business owners. You know, one area that a lot of folks need some help with is around the area of productivity. Getting not just more things done, but actually getting the right things done can be really tough. I've got a course called Productivity for Your Passion that's designed to help you do this and then to hold you accountable and walk with you so that you can tailor productivity not just to be getting more done, but actually getting the right things done. What's more, we take the approach of looking at your personality and how you actually look at things in the world and tailor the productivity system to your personality. Because the truth is, a lot of the systems that are out there are written really well for somebody with a particular personality type, but if you have a different approach to things, they just don't work. But there's tools and techniques and approaches that you can take that will work for anyone and we help you do that in productivity for your passion. Check it out over at inspiredstewardship.com slash launch. Hema Vias is a renowned speaker. As the omnipreneurial Psychologist, she's a speaker and a mentor who guides the path to commercial success, evolutionary and inclusive leadership, well-being, and positive impact for independents, startups, and corporates. Omnipreneurs place value on health and humanity alongside business goals, seeing meaning and success as integral to one another. Hema also works with diverse global audiences to bring about an alignment in heart, mind, and body intelligence for optimal creativity, critical thinking, and cohesion. Her mission is to provide a direct experience of the power of the heart and move people into what she uniquely terms a state of gold. Welcome to the show, Emma.
1: Hi there, Scott. Great to be here.
0: Absolutely. So you describe yourself as a omnipreneurial psychologist, if you see if I can say that word right, neurial psychologist. So Mm -hmm. can you tell us a little bit about that idea of what is an omnipreneur to you? And why do you think that's important to us?
1: So I think it's, Moving slightly away from just being an entrepreneur and being a sort of more conscious entrepreneur with the business in mind of course there's a business element to what I do but there's also in terms of how we take care of people, how we take care of having a sense of meaning with what we're doing and also having a sense of how we're impacting the planet so they're the three things that really matter to me people planet and purpose and so being an omnipreneur extending what I'm doing to also being philanthropic also looking at health and well-being looking at how I can give and support people finding meaning in their lives and to also be doing things that are meaningful for me so not just looking at the bottom line not just being a business owner and driving business success and commercial success, but driving it in a way that is really
0: more conscious and heart Yeah, That's interesting because one of the, I work with a lot of small business owners, and I, mm-hmm. I think it's important, especially in small business, and a small business means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. But I, when, I, when I'm saying that, a business that's driven by an individual an entrepreneurial yes. kind of, whether it's a solo business or there are 50 employees, but it's still, there's the owner operator that's the center of it. That mm-hmm. so often we get focused on the bottom line and lose track of what got us started in the business in the first place. Um, Absolutely. That's so true. And that's what I'm finding
1: with a lot of startups. They lose their way. They, they have this idea, this vision, this sense of purpose. And as they get caught up in in systems and making it all happen and putting all the processes and content and websites and all the stuff together and getting a team together because often the small businesses are like you say very founder orientated but then they bring in other teams and people and and they do get lost in that they get lost in trying to make it work to make it sustainable for themselves as a business because we all have to live but within that How do you come back to those core values? How do you come back to that those visions and to make sure that you're on track? Because if you lose sight of that, I do think that you sight of what's really important. And so it loses a little bit of that sort of appeal, that little bit of spark, if you like. And it's really important to come back to that. So I help a lot of businesses do just that.
0: How did you get started? So I've
1: had a lifelong journey. I've being a psychologist literally since the age of 14 I heard the word psychology and I knew that's what I wanted to do I had no idea what it meant at age 14 it was like what's that but I know whatever it is I want to be doing that because it was far more interesting than all the other things like physics and maths etc and then of course I really studied it and I loved it and it was like oh you can tell who people are just by looking at their shape of their nose and behavioral psychology and all of this stuff. And I found that academia was not really for me. I found it was very limiting. It was holding me back. It was trying to push me in a direction that I didn't feel was appropriate for me. It was trying to say, no, you have to pick a path and cognitive behavioral psychology or clinical psychology and I was like no I want to work with the hard energy and I want to understand spirituality and how it relates to people and how it relates to business and how it relates to the world we live in and so going back sort of 30 odd years Scott it was really interesting because there just wasn't the space for it certainly not in United Kingdom London where I live and people just weren't really interested in hard or what's love got to do with business or those sort of soft skills and core values. They weren't interested. It was all bottom line. But somewhere in my heart, I knew that's what I really wanted to do. My sort of corporate work took a detour. My occupational psychology kind of work took a detour and I started doing more spiritual work, being a therapist and working with individuals. And I I was attracting a lot of CEOs and a lot of people who are high achievers and they were struggling with work or they were struggling with relationships, but it was impacting work, it was impacting business. So there was this correlation that I could see and I knew it instinctively when I was younger, but of course, like I say, I couldn't quite step into that space to work. But as I worked more and more with individuals, I saw it and they saw it. They saw that when they worked on themselves, business got better, their decision-making got better. When relationships improved, other things improved. When other things improved, relationships improved. Because there's this interconnectedness between everything... We are not individual siloed in our own lives. We are collective and holistic and all parts of us come together no matter what we're doing. And so that led me to really thinking, OK, now I'm ready to go back into the corporate world and really make a difference there. Because I love the. it was less therapy in the last sort of 10 years. It was more mentoring and I love that work, but I realized that I want to have a bigger impact. I love the one-on-one work and I love the group work that I was doing and the retreat work that I was doing. But then to go back into the corporate world was really where my sort of passion was to really help leaders recognize that their well-being, their emotional wellness, their heart-centeredness, their tuning into certain heart-centered qualities really had a direct impact not only on the quality of their lives the quality of the lives the the people who work for them and with them but also the quality of business and that had a direct impact on the planet that we're living in because they make better decisions we're happier society is better for it so there's a whole knock-on effect that I think people are beginning
0: to see more and more.
1: And I I just love that.
0: You mentioned several times the idea of the heart-centered work and coming Mm -hmm. to it from that point of view. So, if someone is running their own business or maybe starting their own business, why do you think it's important to put that emphasis on the heart part of leadership and entrepreneurship?
1: Because... One of the things that science is beginning to show, Scott, is that the truth is that the heart plays a much, much more vital role in our lives than we originally used to think. For many years, we've been very brain-centric. It's all about the head and about decision making and logic and getting all the facts and making sure we're doing all the right things, systems, processes, etc. 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 And what I found is the more I worked with people, the more they cleared their heart space, the more they were more really truthful with themselves, really truthful about who they were, what they wanted, what they felt, what was working, what wasn't working, that Because their hearts were open, because they were clearing stuff, they were no longer trying to suppress emotions, they were no longer trying to deny what they really felt or who they really were. The more they were authentic, the more they were really in in their heart space, that it had a direct impact on how they showed up at work and who they showed up as. Suddenly, Communication was better. Decision-making processes were better. Creativity was better. So many things flow from that space of being open-hearted. And to really understand what it means to be open-hearted is looking at the qualities of the heart. And it, we talk a lot now in leadership about being authentic, being transparent, having trust and healthy communication and, in and yeah. ex- exactly and the level of integrity and discernment there's all these qualities But some people naturally have these qualities and know how to tap into them. And I think a lot of people, and certainly people I've worked with in the past, they struggle with those qualities. They know what it means to be that, and they want to be that. But a lot of people go into work thinking they have to leave that part of themselves at home. They have to just show up as, well my role is this and I just have to do it according to what's needed and expected of me. And it's, but if you were honest, what would you say in that situation? And when they say, this is what I would say, and I'm like, then go in and say that. And when they say it, they're like, wow, I didn't realize it would have such a positive knock on effect. And experience has shown me that when people are really connected to understanding not only what it means to be in your heart and how to really operate from that space, but also to be able to work within those parameters of being really heart-centered. There are real benefits, tangible benefits, that it's hard to pinpoint unless you're living. When you actually do it, when you really have the courage to show up as your real self, There are so many positive benefits to that. And you you can only experience that when you try it yourself. You can talk about it. People can talk about it. But when you put it into practice, that's where the real goal.
0: And as we mentioned in, and you just used the word the gold, as we mentioned in the the intro, you you talk about helping people move into a state of gold. Mm -hmm. What do you mean by that what what do you mean by a state of gold
1: and um, well so gold is basically an element that is indestructible gold is in its purest form it is soft it is malleable and yet it is enduring sustainable and you can't nothing can touch it fire can't really burn it water can't really wet it there's all these elements to, to what gold is and what it represents and in terms of human heart for me the the state of gold is where we actively work on releasing a lot of old debris that we're holding in our hearts we have a lot of stories that don't serve us we have a lot of limiting beliefs a lot of thoughts a lot of memories a lot of ancestral patterns there are lots of things that impact who we are and again science is showing that It's all held in our DNA and the heart is the first organ to form in the human body and so when the heart is formed, it informs the whole body who we are. And so when we are clearing our heart space of old sort of energies that don't serve us, we achieve what I call pure God, which is our essence. And our essence guides us the best way forward to be genuinely prosperous to be genuinely joyful and to genuinely know what it means to be in love not the romantic notion of love but to genuinely be in love with our lives and who we are and everything we do and that's what being in a state of gold is that flow where everything is just flowing from pure essence
0: so how do people move towards that so there's lots
1: of exercises it starts off by looking at the challenges in your life because challenges often point us in the direction of what needs to be looked at immediately a lot of people think oh god my life isn't working why is this happening to me this pattern I end up in these jobs or I end up with these kind of people and and what's that all about and I say when that happens when you're when you find yourself struggling with something that's the universe trying to really say to you there's something that you need to look at so that's one place to start to do some self-development work to do some self-reflection to do self-discovery work because the truth is that we cannot avoid the fact that we all need to grow as people. We all need to grow emotionally and to an extent we need to grow spiritually because until we do that, we are going to be constantly in the rat race. Rat race keeps us stuck in patterns where we're going around in circles just doing what we've always done or doing what you know our families have always done, our communities have always done. If we want to break out of that and we want to step into a world where we evolve as human beings and we evolve in terms of our own happiness as well as our society's happiness, cultural happiness in the world, then I think that we we need to start, you know, becoming more conscious of working on ourselves and not seeing it as a mental health problem because a lot of people think, I don't need therapy because I don't have mental health issues or I don't have problems. It's not about problems. For me, it's about evolution. It's about becoming more emotionally intelligent. It's becoming more emotionally aware so that we become the best version of ourselves. And I believe each of us can be a better version of ourselves today than we were yesterday and a better version of ourselves tomorrow than we were today because we have within us the, the kind of, if you like, the spiritual technology, the emotional technology to be better humans. Point. Exactly. Yeah,
0: yeah. And yeah. the old expression is you're either growing or you're dying. There's, yeah. You know, right. Growth is the opposite of death yeah
1: exactly otherwise you're living but you're not really living that's what you mean when you say dying it's not mm-hmm. really living
0: yeah and i think too when you talk about the therapy because you're in the uk i'm in the us both very western centric mm-hmm. and the therapy has always sort of had a, a negative connotation like you said that it's for people that have a problem as opposed mm-hmm. to it's something that could benefit everybody having spent time with therapist in therapy, I, I think it can benefit everybody. So I think we <laughs> undersell it a lot of times and, and look at it as a, as a solution to a problem as opposed to uh, a set of tools that oftentimes therapists could bring help us bring to bear on our life to give Absolutely. us a way of, of dealing with things that we just didn't know without those tools. Absolutely. So So talking about that, one of the areas that I think you work in a lot and i know again like i said as i've worked with small business owners i see the see it as well is this idea of looking to wellness both both mental like we were just talking about as well as physical mm-hmm. wellness mm-hmm. for both the owner for the operator but also for the employees for the team if there is one why do you see wellness as something that is both important for business and over
1: so it it goes back to the bottom line because Business has always been you you focus on the business at hand. You leave your problems at home. You leave anything personal at home. You might have to cut over conversations with colleagues and people you're working with. But you wouldn't go to your boss about a physical thing that's going on unless you're saying, "Okay, I just need to stop and go to I need to go to the hospital or I need to take my child or whatever it might be. So because of that sort of barrier, I think wellness has been overlooked because people didn't stop to think about the fact that what are long hours doing to us, what is eating at the desk doing to us, what is not having time to digest or being out in nature or all of these things, not really considering it, it's like this is your role, you're here to fulfill this role, and it doesn't matter how you do it, but just get it done. And because time has sped up, and because competition has become so fierce, everything is saturated now, I believe. And so therefore, there's more and more demand. Once upon a time, most people would finish by five o'clock and be home by later six o'clock if they had a commute and now it's like six o'clock you're lucky if you're you know leaving at six o'clock seven o'clock people start looking at you think what are you doing going home and I know that's changed since obviously COVID and working from home but even now people sending emails I get emails all hours of the day and night People are constantly on alert, they're constantly working, they're constantly thinking about things. Deadlines are just a little bit hard and fast and they need to meet those deadlines and they don't always have the resources. Why? Because as an organization grows, no matter what the company is, what the organization is, what they're doing, things are growing exponentially and as they grow they don't take into account that those people can't necessarily keep up or that it might be too much so there's been an overlooking of mental emotional physical well-being in terms of how we sit and how long we sit and all of those things because it wasn't considered their problem it wasn't considered a business problem it's that's your problem and if you burn out then you go and we'll get someone else in and I think it's so important because one of the things we're seeing is that productivity absolutely wanes if you're not in in a state of wellness if you're not emotionally happy if you're not physically well if you're not having a balanced life you know it is the business's problem. The businesses are beginning to recognize that actually they're losing so much time due to stress. They're losing so much time due to burnout. They're losing so much time due to lack of productivity or mistakes being made. Sometimes they can be very costly. And so now they're recognizing they need to start taking care of people's well-being. And that starts with themselves. Because An interesting thing is like Steve Jobs, he really knew how to take care of himself in the sense of making time to meditate and all of these things. And when you look at his story, and yet the people who worked for him were not encouraged to do so. They were seen as work machines, whereas he was taking the time to sort of take care of his kind of spiritual growth, his emotional growth, his physical well-being. And now I think more and more businesses are realizing that what they do, they need to not only do it themselves to to not work those long hours or to take care of their well-being, but also to recognize that others around them, be it their peers, be it colleagues, be it the employees, like you say, the teams, That they have to do the same because there is a both tangible and intangible impact. And the tangible impact is, of course, a happier workforce is going to be more productive, more creative, and they're going to retain staff much, much more. But you've got the intangible, which is we have a healthier society. If people are happier, relationships are better. And if relationships are better, children grow up in a better environment. There is a knock-on effect, and and that's the thing that people need to recognize, that where we were too business-centric, there was a real knock-on effect on society, and we need to turn the tables now, and we need to turn that around.
0: And I think, too, that it, it's, like you said, not only productivity benefits, but there's also benefits in terms of longevity of employee loyalty to oh, the business wait. again i right now I, I there's all this conversation about the the great exodus when all of these people quit mm-hmm. and looking at a lot of jobs where they're having a, my son works 18 very young his, his first job he's overnight stocking shelves and they're like oh. down eight people they can't keep people on staff and they're paying very well and everything else. But it's there's also this mentality sometimes of, but we'll just hire another person, like you said, as opposed to what can we do to build the team and keep them around, which quite frankly also saves money. So you know, if you want to be bottom line oriented, technically it saves money to keep an employee. It's harder to it's more expensive to, to train and, and hire than it is to keep.
1: Absolutely, absolutely, and I think that's what they're beginning to recognize for a while they did in so much involved in in recruiting
0: just <laughs> something
1: really it really is and and expensive and time consuming, but also then there's a whole adjustment when somebody new sure. comes in, whereas people have got used to people and new so dynamic, there's something. new
0: person new interactions exactly, right. yeah.
1: yeah, all of that, yeah
0: yeah i I was in management in a corporation for 11 years and ran a large team and I, I i never understood it when they were like oh no we'll just hire someone else it's really <laughs> it's just spend a little extra effort and try to keep the people we have that would be uh, seems wise to me but what do i know it's, when we think about those sorts of soft skills we were talking earlier about vulnerability trust these sort of truth telling both for ourselves and for others how does that matter for kind of these entrepreneurs or omnipreneurs as you're talking about how does that fit into their growth Uh, qualities like truth and trust vulnerability those sorts of quote soft skills soft soft
1: skills yeah Uh, so essential because actually they make up our emotional well-being so we've got like the hard skills which give us definition and direction so for example when we've got a degree and we've studied something and okay this is what I'm good at physically this is what I know academically I'm good at or physically or through experience but I think the soft skills make such a big difference because they lead the way and the things I talk about is the hard energy and the fact is, we now know that the heart picks up much more information than even the brain. So the brain is able to take in a certain amount of information, but the heart picks up the energy. And so it's those soft skills that actually come into play when it comes in, comes to the heart center. Because the heart is picking up when somebody is speaking the truth. So even if we're not conscious of it, so for example, if you're in a room and... And somebody's speaking to you and they're not speaking from a place of truth. So, for example, in an organization, when the leaders come in and they're not being fully transparent or fully truthful, people feel it. Because a mm-hmm. heart we now know absolutely picks up on it and it creates a, a dissonance. So that dissonance kind of stays with people and it makes them feel insecure. So number one, it takes so much more time to reassure people because when they pick up on something, they know it and it's a feeling. And when you have a feeling, you cannot override that with a, a thought. You can say to yourself, oh no, it's just nothing. But the truth is it doesn't go away and it doesn't go away for a lot of us. And so. When we are able to know our truth, then we are able to speak that truth and we're able to do it in a diplomatic way, for example. So as a leader, you're not going to go and say, the company's in trouble and you might all be out of a job but you do have to find a way of saying it in a way that is truthful and yet diplomatic so that their hearts can feel it and therefore go okay there's trouble ahead but we're in good hands we're being spoken to as adults we're being connected with we're being cared for we're being thought of and so that will have a massive impact and if you think about something like vulnerability it's So important, because like I said, right at the beginning, Scott, one of the problems was that we were in silos, we were in this sort of state where we think, this is work and this is home. When someone comes in and is vulnerable and says, I'm having a bad day because X, Y, Z happened, all of a sudden, there is so much more compassion. Compassion fills our heart, empathy fills our heart. And so when someone's having a problem, we're no longer going, but you haven't met your deadline this work needs to be done or this needs to happen. And when you are able to show up vulnerably and somebody else is able to meet you with empathy in that space, then what happens is that space becomes a safe space. And when we're in a safe space, we are absolutely able to get Be resilient. Resilience becomes a big thing because suddenly I've shared something with you, I've shared that I'm having trouble with something, you've shown me some empathy. All of a sudden, I'm able to say, I can now put it aside and get on with what I need to do. Whereas, if I'm not able to be vulnerable and you're not able to be empathetic, for example, then what happens is that I'm carrying it with me, you're feeling something is wrong and you're going oh why isn't she doing the work she needs to be doing and I'm going I can't do it because I can't concentrate because this is going around in my head so therefore the productivity drops but not only does productivity drop but trust drops Because if I'm not getting something done and you don't know why I'm not getting something done and I can't tell you why I'm not getting something done, then all of a sudden it creates a toxic atmosphere and that toxic atmosphere has a knock-on effect on everything and everyone around us. And if it doesn't get dealt with, it gets worse and anything that gets worse becomes more toxic. And so these core sort of soft skills are so important when we understand that we are picking up on them whether we are conscious of it or not we understand that actually it's far more important for companies to absolutely encourage people to know what these you know these kind of qualities are how to work with them how to utilize them and how to leverage them so that the organization can function Mm -hmm. far better it's A win-win as far as I'm concerned.
0: And it does require, again, the expression that the leader goes first. In in other words, if you're not being vulnerable, well, other people are less likely to be vulnerable. If you're not sharing, and that doesn't mean you have to share every detail of your life with everybody. That's not the point. But at the same time, you can acknowledge the reality of the fact that you're a human being. Maybe you're going to have a bad day every once in a while, and that's okay. But be able to acknowledge that reality, I think, is is important. And absolutely. I think the leader has to set that example. Because as an absolutely. employee, I'm not going to assume that it's okay to sh- because I'm there's a power differential. Right?
1: Absolutely, absolutely. And when you step into any situation, you take the lead from somebody who's been there, and usually the leader is the one who. And it's so true, Scott, because one of the things is that it is about the culture and that's Mm -hmm. why it's about leadership, because the leaders need to understand it so that they can promote a culture of openness and level of vulnerability or whatever it might be, which then gives people the permission to do Mm -hmm. and to have it in a healthy boundary. Because like you say, it's not about everybody every day coming in and just pouring out all their problems or whatever's going on. It's, it's just about where it's pertinent. And, you know, discernment is one of the qualities that I definitely work with, because I think it's so important that we're able to discern and, and make choices according to the context of the situation.
0: Sure. Yeah. My brand is Inspired Stewardship. And so mm-hmm. there's a few questions that I like to ask all of my guests. And one of them is this. When you hear that word stewardship, what does that word mean to you? Because I've discovered different people here and mean different things, so I like to define terms. And then uh-huh. what has that meaning or that understanding, what does that meant to you or your?
1: So stewardship, I think, is responsibility for me, that we are all responsible for something or someone, and at the very least, we are responsible for ourselves. We have stewardship of who we are, how we show up in the world, and the impact we have in the world. The impact that is direct in terms of what we say and what we do to people and with people and for people, but also the indirect impact of all the things we're not owning has a has an impact on people around us and has an impact on the world that we're living in. So for me, it's very much about... How can we be mindful of our responsibility, our responses in the world as human beings, how we show up and what impact that has and how we can do that in the best possible way so that we are being the best possible human, so that we are having the best possible impact on the people and the planet that we live.
0: So if I invented this magic machine... And I was able to pluck you out of the the seat where you're sitting right now and transport you into the future, maybe 100 to 150 years. And magically through this machine, you were able to look back and see all of the impacts and the ripples that you've left behind in the world. What impact do you hope you've left behind in the world?
1: So the biggest impact I would like to think is that I have brought a real awareness to the heart energy and just the absolute infinite possibilities of really connecting to the heart energy and to be able to bring those qualities into every aspect of our lives but especially business because business is such a big part of all of our lives and business isn't just about being in business but any work that we do because we are all here to be of service so in any way shape form that we are of service that we we learn to, to really truly connect with our hearts, to really heal the past that's been held in our hearts, that's been holding us back as humanity, and to shift humanity into another dimension of living where the heart becomes the absolute norm, the heart centered living becomes the absolute.
0: What's coming next for you as you continue on this journey? What's on the roadmap? Uh,
1: so now that. Hopefully things seem to be calming down. I don't want to speak too soon, but if the the world starts opening up and travel becomes, uh, you know, a lot more easy, then I really would love to travel certainly more to the States and and do a lot more talks to really speak about what I'm speaking about, speaking about the hard energy, the importance and really understanding what it means and the
0: impact it can have on you can find out more about Hema over on LinkedIn as Hema Vias. That's spelled H E M A V Y A S. She's on Instagram as them, the Hema Vias, or find out all of the details and what she's got going on over at Hemavias.com. Hema, is there anything else you'd like to share with the listener?
1: Yes, yeah, so I'd love for you- people to join my community it's a free community heart renaissance we have a number of things going on there we we have different meditations different talks are posted there it's a lovely community there are workshops that you can buy into. We also have a journaling circle. There's a lot of activity that goes on through that community. So if people are interested in what I've shared today, I'd love for them to join the community. They can find it through my uh, website, which is hemavias.com. Of course,
0: I'll have links to all of that over in the show notes as well. So I look forward to uh, uh, hope seeing some folks join it and That's all things that we promote on the show. So it's an awesome thing to have that as a free resource for people. Thanks so much. Thanks so much for listening to the Inspired Stewardship Podcast. As a subscriber and listener, we challenge you to not just sit back and passively listen, but act on what you've heard and find a way to live your calling. If you enjoyed this episode, please do us a favor Go over to inspiredstewardship.com stewardship.com slash iTunes rate. All one word iTunes rate. It'll take you through how to leave a rating and review and how to make sure you're subscribed to the podcast so that you can get every episode as it comes out in your feed. Until next time, invest your time, your talent, and your treasures. Develop your influence and impact the world.